Welcome to the SBC of Virginia Not Alone podcast. I'm Brad Russell, the mobilization team leader for the SBC of Virginia. I am excited to have two guests with me today as we talk about some compassion ministries in our Commonwealth and things that your church can be involved with right now. And we're here to resource your church just with some great ideas and uh, with needs that are in the community and how we can reach those as a local church. I have Sarah Desjardins with me today. Uh, Sarah, tell everybody what you do with the SBC of Virginia. My role with the SBC of Virginia is to come alongside churches and help engage and equip specifically in the field of foster care uh, and compassion ministries. There's some other uh, things too, like hunger funds and hunger ministries, but uh, the main focus that I'd be glad to help churches with is foster care engagement. And so that's what we want to talk about today. Uh, this is a new initiative for the SBC of Virginia, and we know we have a lot of churches around Virginia that have engaged with foster care and caring for foster families. We actually know we have pastors and church leaders and church members who are involved with foster care as well. And so we want to begin that conversation as a state convention to figure out how we can come alongside churches and church leaders to resource you well. And so Sarah serves with our mobilization department uh, to help mobilize churches to reach the most vulnerable within our communities and to serve them as well. We also have Dr. Todd Chipman with us today. Uh, Todd is an old friend from seminary, and he's a pastor of uh, Masters Community Church in Kansas City area, and he also is a professor and assistant dean. This is a busy guy, uh, and he's at Midwestern Seminary, and I'm excited to just spend some time with Todd today and hear from him. He's also the author of Until Every Child is Home. This is a a book that really touches on his story uh, and also touches on the story of every vulnerable child, every church's uh, role that you can play. And it's really all about why the church can and must care for orphans. And so that's what our conversation is really all about today. So Todd, I was privileged just to hear you speak at some events uh, in the central region and the coastal region. i uh, read your book. So for, for those that are looking to get into foster care, I know one of your ideas that you just really hit home is that God has made the local church into a family. We're the family of God with God as our father. And so we have a family and what foster children need is a family. Uh, and so the local church is uniquely designed, uniquely equipped uh, for the work of foster care. It is something that we can do, as you say. We should feel empowered with that, uh, and we must do it. So if there's a listener today and is a pastor or a leader, and he's thinking, man, this seems very overwhelming. I'm not really sure where, what to do or how to start. Um, what would you say to, to someone in that situation? Sarah and Brad and Commonwealth listeners, it is a pleasure to be with you and think with you about this idea. And the book that, that Brad just mentioned, Until Every Child is Home, I wrote this because as, as a pastor, I entered into foster care and adoption ministry. Uh, as, as I write in the book and as I've shared, I'm adopted. And so it wasn't really awkward for me to think about this, even growing up, possibly being involved in foster care adoption someday. And as my wife and I were married and had our own children and they got older, we began to think about the needs of kids who were vulnerable and what we could do. And I began to think about this with my church. I had been at my church 13 years when we began to think about foster care and adoption. And as we walked down this path, I sensed an increased vitality in 
my church. Hmm. So I had been there a while. Mm -hmm. This was not something new. People knew me. People trusted me. They'd seen my kids grow up, my biological kids grow up. They'd seen me go through school to get uh, master's degrees and then a PhD. And, and when I began this ministry and to initiate it, this is something I wanted to do, felt God calling my wife and I to do this. I saw people come alive hmm. in my church in ways I had not seen before. Hmm. Now, that that's important because I had been there a while. We've done missions trips. We've done all sorts of activities. We've I've preached through major books of the Bible, sections of the Bible. I have advanced degrees. But when I began to do this, I see, I, I saw people come alive. And I've heard this from other pastors. They see folks come alive because they have ways to engage in ministry in ways that they had not before. What this kind of ministry provides in a local church is an opportunity for folks to do what they're already doing, what they're gifted at, what they're good at, but to do that with extensions to vulnerable kids. Mm -hmm. So it's bringing those kids into the life of the church. It's not really starting a new program. It enhances all the other programs of the church because it, it's relational and it brings these kids into the family of the church. And so those who are uh, into sewing, as I mentioned uh, in, in our time here today, uh, the older ladies in my church taught my girls to sew mm -hmm. and what impact that had. But I've heard this in, uh, in, in other spheres as well. What, what folks do in the church, they just begin to do it with vulnerable children and along the way connecting and teaching and mentoring them. And it provides a sense of life to a church. It really is a, a church revitalization bullet point. It really can help in that way. And uh, our church wasn't necessarily needing revitalization at that point, but it certainly got it, even though it wasn't a program. Mm -hmm. um, and now we've had other folks fostering and adopting, and we've seen uh, the, or we've, we've had folks uh, fostering, no, no adoptions yet, but fostering. And we have seen other gifting come alive in terms of generosity and mentoring uh, in the local church. So I've seen its benefit for a local church. So to, to get back to the original question there, why would they think about this is because it's really helpful for a local church as it is for vulnerable kids. Mm -hmm. So I think it's interesting as a local church pastor as well, that most churches, if you were to ask uh, to describe their church, they would say, well, we're a family. We're just a big family. And I wonder sometimes if, and I've said this to, to my local churches, I wonder if sometimes we're more like a family reunion than we are a family, mm -hmm. which is really we get together once a week and there's crazy Uncle Bob over there. Don't go sit with crazy Uncle Bob, you know, <laughs> you all, and you all have your little family units. This is a way to extend beyond just the single family unit into truly being the people of God and, and a family that extends multi-generationally into the lives of vulnerable children. Would you agree that that's a, that's a way that we can even become what we say we are? Yes, and that's, I think, what this ministry provides us. And you say the, the family reunion aspect. And one of the passages that I point to in the book and I reference when I speak about this is Luke 14, when Jesus is at the home of a Pharisee who invited him, and Jesus is teaching about hospitality. And he, he says to the host, when you give a lunch or a dinner, don't invite your friends, your brothers, your relatives, neighbors, and so forth who could pay you back. But go and, and invite to the banquet the poor, the maimed, the lame, the blind. And vulnerable 
vulnerable kids, kids in foster care are like that. And, and we invite them into our family. It, it doesn't mean we don't invite our, our friends from church and so forth and those in our small group. We just begin to invite vulnerable kids because then they can see what it looks like for adults to relate around issues besides drugs and crime and immorality because that's what many of these kids have seen all of their lives. When they see adults relating outside of school, those adults are relating around drugs and crime and immorality. When they see adults relating in school, those adults are often relating around how they can manage ex-child's behaviors. So well, that's what they're seeing. That's, that's their life. And when they come into the family of the church, they see us eating together. They see us doing recreational, moral recreation together. They see us studying God's word together. And this creates a new framework of life and relationships. And that's what these kids need. They need a new framework of relationships. And the church can provide that. And so one of the things we like to say as a convention is, you are not alone. Uh, and so inside the local church, as a family feels called to foster, because of the family of God, that, that fostering family is not alone. Hopefully they're wrapped around. That's one thing that people can do is called wraparound care around a family that's fostering. So oftentimes we'll hear it said in the foster care industry that not everyone is called to foster but everyone can do something. And so that might be, uh, like in your case, the, the elderly ladies who were coming alongside and helping your children learn to sew. Uh, it could be giving uh, you and your wife uh, a date night out and taking uh, the children. I love some of the things that you say. Uh, you say, yes, uh, come and bring the meal, but then what, Todd? Stay. <laughs> yeah, so so the wraparound is is not just sort of drop off wraparound care. It's relational wraparound care. So I encourage folks, yes, do a meal train, but that meal train involves a commitment to stay and eat dinner with that family you're dropping the meal off to. Mm -hmm. it, it involves uh, playing with those children, beginning to have connections. It, it involves relational uh, points of contact so that those kids. Uh, begin to have a relationship with the church, not just that family, because okay. that's what's needed. Mm -hmm. They need the family of God. They need multiple generations, which the church automatically has, that a foster or adoptive home may not have multiple generations just right in that geographic vicinity, but the church does. One of the issues that families will want to discuss as they progress in foster care or adoption is birth order if they already have children in their home, biological children or, or fostering. And the foster agencies will talk about this. Where will these kids fit in birth order? I encourage us as, as believers and in the Commonwealth, think about the birth order of your local church. That's what's important. Do you have multiple generations that you could connect these kids with? And as you do, that will be helpful. Well, I think all of this is helpful, and I think also for us as a church, I want to see some practical steps that we can do. So we're going to take just a quick break, and after this break, and you hear a couple of messages from the SBC of Virginia, uh, let's dive in a little bit, just for a few minutes, on a couple of practical steps that a church can take, a pastor can take, that might be listening to the podcast today, to say this is a first step that we can take as a church. We'll be back in just a second. 
Welcome back to the SBC of Virginia's Not Alone podcast. We're here with Todd Chipman today. Todd, you're talking to us about foster care and how the local church is an agent, really, of redemption and working in the lives of vulnerable children. And before the break, we were just beginning to hit on practical ways that a local church can get engaged. If you were to tell a a local church pastor uh, the need and why, uh, all of those things are good, I think, but sometimes we get overwhelmed by the need. Sarah, I know you and I have talked about the fact that how many foster kids are there in Virginia right now, give or take? Uh, give or take, the number is around 5,000 is what I typically read in here. Yeah, so that, that number is just way off the charts. You know, my church cannot do anything about that, right? But if there are about 800 SPC of Virginia churches, that number becomes much more manageable. We begin to look at the number seven as the number of kids or families that we can come around and begin to care for. And so we, we want to begin to think about solutions. So if I were to talk to a local church, if Sarah were to go to a local church and say, we, we really believe that the, you could serve these children and these families, and they say, well, how would we even get started? Todd, what would you, what would you suggest to a local church pastor? So the local church pastor who is in the Commonwealth here and there's no one in your church right now who is fostering or adopting and you're listening to this and thinking, you know, I have thought about this in the past and the Lord at the time put it on my mind. I've read James 127, pure and undefiled religion before our God and Father is this, to look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself unspotted from the world. Okay, I've read that, I've thought about it, but how do I do this? Well, here, here are three steps. Step one, get hold of my book, Until Every Child is Home, or Russell Moore's Adopted for Life. Uh, These two books can be very helpful. There are others out there as well, but these can be helpful for you to establish a framework for thinking about this both doctrinally and practically. So get get yourself some resources and just consider this as as further further learning, further reading here, and you're going to establish a framework. And and as you do that, it's likely going to be the case you're going to want to pass that resource on maybe to your wife, maybe to another leader in your church who can think with you about this. And just as you would any other kind of ministry, you're likely going to talk with your wife, you're likely going to talk with other leaders. I think we should start a, a new kids ministry, or I think we should start a, a new missions initiative, whatever it would be. Same, same kind of process. And then let that brew. And over time, Step two is going to be talking with the church broadly about it. And it's very likely, it's very likely that someone in your church is thinking about this right now. They're thinking about fostering or adopting. It may be the case that there are folks in your church who are not able to have children. And they maybe have not spoken about this publicly for shame or embarrassment. And you bringing up this issue perhaps from the pulpit in a sermon as you're preaching through James or a passage in in the Old Testament that deals with God's care for the vulnerable, like in Deuteronomy 24 or Jeremiah 7, or you're just preaching through and these issues come up, just begin to make some inroads into people's hearts and lives about the vulnerable and what the church can do. And it's likely that someone is going to approach you. And so you've read some materials, you have a framework, someone has approached you about it, and then you begin to just state your support for that person. You're going to help them. You're going to to, to pray for them. You're going to champion uh, what, what you can do as a church and begin to think then about the kind of wraparound care that that family could use. Wraparound care in terms of prayer support, in terms of financial support to equip their home with resources, uh, bedding, uh, the, the kinds of practical needs, diapers, whatever stage of life the child might be. 
uh, other resources in terms of, of food, as we mentioned earlier, bringing the food and then staying. But there may be gift cards that could be helpful. Just some practical steps in, in that regard and walking along uh, with them. And it may be that when these families begin to be completing in their process of, of licensure, you may have a special prayer time in a Sunday gathering of your church to pray for them so that they feel the support of the church. Those are some practical steps that will take place. And, and I want to couch those three practical steps, again, getting some resources and reading, talking about this with, with leaders, and then a uh, publicly and, and seeing what God would do in terms of families and then organizing some wraparound care. I want to put a banner over those three ideas that this will actually help your church. Mm -hmm. It's often considered that this kind of ministry is going to be a drain on the church. And I write about this in the book. It's going to drain our resources. Hey, let's be practical. Most church revitalization and church growth strategies include firm starting points and stopping points so that you can begin a ministry with a large kickoff. You can have an end point with a goal where you can measure what you've done and have a celebration and then move on to the next with momentum gathering. And foster care and adoption is not really that way. Mm -hmm. It's, it's long-term. It's sometimes the celebrations are, are, fewer and further between. So we have to sort of create some celebrations and, and think about various iterations where we can grab hold of God's goodness. And, and it's just difficult. But what you will find is that the relational and spiritual depth that you gain by leading the, in this ministry and supporting those who are in it, Pastor, you will find that your church grows in spiritual maturity in ways that no uh, a few other ministries can provide you and the benefits. And that's why I wrote the book. I found that this kind of ministry is actually helpful for all that I want to accomplish as a local church in terms of fighting abortion, uh, racial issues, spiritual gifting and bringing that to the surface, a level of authenticity in a local church. All of those are the result of this kind of ministry. It, it really catalyzes so many others. And finally, Contact Sarah Dijonet here at uh, SBCV. She has resources and uh, she can equip you and get you connected with other pastors in your area so that you're, you're not alone in this. I mean, the, the Commonwealth is not about not being alone here and, and you're not. You're going to get some support along the way. That's right, Todd. Uh, my joy and my hope is to be able to come alongside local churches, pastors, leaders, uh, and help equip and resource them. Pastors and leaders, are, they're busy. Uh, certainly not everyone has the time to go out and meet and vet community leaders and see uh, who really can be an asset to the local church. So uh, I find that part of my role is doing that, uh, figuring out who can come alongside the churches and who's doing what, and so to help resource and equip pastors by being a connector in the community. And there are tons of connection points. So one thing I, I would encourage and echo all of this as well, contact your SBC of Virginia mobilization team, contact Sarah, let her know that you're interested in just taking the first step. We're not asking you to jump into the deep end. Mm -hmm. We're not asking you to foster the most difficult children tomorrow. You wouldn't be able to even if you wanted to. There's mm -hmm. a process you're going to have to go through. Mm -hmm. And that first part of the process is to pray, to pray about this. And so 
pastors, if you would just start that process now, I know as a local church pastor, that's what I've got to do after hearing and being challenged. I've got to go and now pray about this and say, Lord, this isn't an issue of if, this is an issue of how and when, because this is obedience now. Mm -hmm. Having heard the truth that there are vulnerable children in need, we are agents of reconciliation. God is doing a work of redemption, and that redemption is available for these children as well. And it's done through the local church. How can I say no? Mm-hmm. And so if you are listening today and you can't say no, you realize you have to say yes in some way, begin to pray about what that yes is going to look like, and then reach out. Reach out to your mobilization team. We'd love to serve you. Uh, Todd, thank you so much. Thank you for serving our churches. Uh, Todd was here for a couple of days. Uh, and giving us great resources, giving us your book as well. Uh, And we want to make those resources available to our churches. So contact us so we can get those in your hands. Sarah, thank you for your time today and for your leadership in this and for your heart for vulnerable children and, uh, and for families who are already doing this work. Pastors, you may have people in your church right now who are already doing this work. That's your first step after prayer is to go to them and say, how can I love you? I want to be, I want to be your pastor mm-hmm. and I want to be the pastor of this child and I want them to know that they have uh, they have a God who loves them they have a savior who has given his life for them and I want them to come to faith in Jesus and so the church just wraps around and ultimately we're going to see redemption come so praise the Lord for this opportunity thank you Todd once again thank you Sarah once again uh, this is the SBC of Virginia not alone podcast and we want you to know pastors leaders foster parents foster children We want you to know that you are not alone.